What's up, Internet, and welcome to Pitch for Pitch, the only podcast where two pitches enter and one pitch leaves. Each week, we compete to pitch your craziest pop culture story ideas. With me today, I have what the O stands for in Cheerios, John Oprah. That's me. And I'm your faithful host, the guy that everyone is actually whispering around when you walk by and you see people whispering, Terry Smith. No one's talking about you. Everyone is talking about me. I'm also that guy, like when you, you know, when your ears are ringing and everyone goes, "Oh, that means someone's talking about you." Nope, they're talking about me too. You know the guy you think is following you down the dark alley, <laughs> but he's actually just walking home. That's Terry. Uh, no, I actually was following him. <laughs> <laughs> so today we want to talk about fantasy pitches. Okay, so that means you know, not fantasy as in like if I won a million dollars, you know, I would buy an island. You wouldn't buy an island. No, I'd buy several islands, but they'd be, <laughs> a be small real small. Of exactly, like a million dollars isn't actually that much money. It'd oh, be no, really, really small not. islands. Like we're talking three, four meters in like a man-made lake. Yeah, yeah, in, like in diameter. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just enough for me to stand on yeah. and go. Hmm. More my like a, a series of stepping stones. Right. Well, is it an archipelago if it's just a few feet? Like, <laughs> does that count? I don't know. Probably, technically, yes. It's more like a sandbar. Yeah. <laughs> Like it would definitely trip you up if you drove your boat across yeah, it. That'd be very bad. Yeah, you'd also hit me because I'm standing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this week we want to talk about fantasy pitches. So we're gonna start with our fun pitch section. That's our co-op section where we both work together on pitches before we then tear each other apart uh, savagely for your entertainment. So let's talk about this one. I got several of these. So. At least four people pitched me Gimli and Legolas, the romantic comedy. That's just Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it, it's no longer subtext, and it's just text. Yeah, it's it, it's more like the Bilbo Baggins, no, not Bilbo, the Frodo and Samwise relationship. So is this like the, the what happens after the War of the Ring? It could be, like when they bo- Legolas just builds them a boat, and they both go to heaven together, yeah. which is fascinating. <laughs> is this just like... What's, what's that boat trip look like? Do they visit or do they just leave? Because a lot of the things I they like. No. Like, are they just like vacationing in heaven? They're just like, you know what, we're going to go, but we're going to come back Have later. Nice jaunt. Yeah, I, I, I still, I don't understand. Nothing in Lord of the Rings makes sense. Except for their relationship. I think that's the one thing that, that actually is the constant. So, what do we pitch this as? Is it a movie? Is it a romantic comedy where it's like there's a meet cute and all of that stuff? Or is this. A series like Love on Netflix, where it's like, this is their relationship as a whole. Here's two seasons. I don't even think you can pull this off as a Netflix series. I think this has to be like straight to TV, 30 minute sitcom, rom com style. Is that a thing? Well, you make you make it a sitcom and you make them basically the will they won't they couple. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that. It'd probably be something that would be on like ABC Family, or yeah. that's not a thing anymore. Uh, Freeform, I think Did is they, what it is. They get yeah. Rid of yeah, I don't think it's ABC Family. I think it's Freeform oh, now. Oh, my heart. Yeah, well, see, like, do you remember when it was Fox Family? No. No? See? There you go. See, that that gets me. I remember when it was Fox Family. That was what it was originally. Was it? Yeah. Then it became ABC Family, and now it's Freeform. <laughs> Anyways, so yes. I Okay, I get what you're saying there. So we make it like a sitcom. They're the will they, won't they? And the, definitely will they, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's the will they, but every once in a while, there's like a, oh... I can't believe you've done this, or my my parents are super racist, and we have to get them over this hill. Or <laughs> it's definitely true for the elves. And is there the, like the really dark moment where like Gimli has to lean on him because all the dwarves are just gone? 
Probably. Because, like, I don't know, it, like, how much you go into the Lord of the Rings lore, but that happens to him several times. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, you know, you have, you have when there was the original war, and he's like, yeah, a lot of them died. You know, that's fine. Then you have, he's like, he's going to go to the mines. Oh, no, they're all dead again. And then they don't talk about it in the movies, but elsewhere there are orcs in Urukai invading other planes. And one yep. is that one of those fights are with the dwarves, and the dwarves lose that fight. Yep. Well, they lose the first couple, yep. but a lot of them die is my point. There are very few dwarves left <laughs> by the end of everything. Exactly. So I, I feel like that is one of the big hurdles is Ghibli. You make him out almost to be like the the sad clown. Yeah. Because he is. Like, yeah. He has such a dark story. You you also have the, oh, Gimli's going to leave and go to New York to reunite with the few family members he has left. <laughs> And Legolas follows him, and that's when they jump the shark because they moved cities, and you have a whole new cast. <laughs> no, you keep the same cast, but it's just a different cafe. <laughs> like they were gonna do in, Fr- in Friends, I believe and it was like followed them. Yeah, I think it was in season four. The original pitch was they all moved to Alaska, but they just they still hang out at a bar. It's just snowing outside all the time. <laughs> like it was this, it was the exact same cafe setup, like same chairs. It was just snowing outside the entire time. It might, have, it might not have been Alaska. It might have been like Minnesota or something. But there was a plan to do that. I don't remember why. Just one of those little trivia's. But I like that. That would be the jump the shark moment, which is like all new elves. But I think I think you you do kind of have that built in relationship with Orlando Bloom's character because we get the same people to come back. You yeah, know, we, for we, sure. We just we we put them all in makeup. Um, but anyways. You you have that weird dichotomy that they had with like Rachel from Friends. I keep going back to Friends, yeah. where like she was kind of pompous and rich, yeah. and they're showing her how to live on their own. Yeah. And you have that with Gimli, who's like kind of made it on his own the entire time and is kind of gross and yeah. grungy. And Orlando Bloom's, you know, he's trying to comb his hair, but you know he can't keep up with whatever elves make their combs out of, which they don't talk about. But they have to have really good combs. All of their hair is silky. It's got to be like bone. Yeah, it's got to be. They're like they're like elk bones. Do, but they don't. They don't kill animals, though. Isn't that a thing? No, they don't kill animals, but like animals but- still die. <laughs> so they gotta find a like decomposing elk and make yeah, it- man, <laughs> use every part of the decomposing oh, well, elk. Well, ant- well, antlers just fall off. Oh, just ant. Okay, that's different yeah, though. Yeah, that's, that's not, not the same thing as bone. bone. Yeah. yeah. But- <laughs> okay, so they're just using like not rubs, like full yeah. on antlers after it's out. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. It'd be quicker though, just. Just to kill the elk. So I think we're getting off topic here. <laughs> I think that's pretty solid. How does that end, though? Does it end with them, like, getting together and then going to heaven? Like, no, like what happens in the books? seasons when everyone stops watching. <laughs> after the, they, they jump the shark again and just pair them up with random people. So, like, him and Aragorn get together. Yeah, and <laughs> it's just like, it's, it just becomes like a who's who of, oh, this is another person from Lord of the Rings that came to visit this <laughs> so it, week. So it jumps to start in two different ways at the end, where it, not only is it a different guest star, because they're just trying to up the ratings, but they're also just pairing them off in really odd sections. It's yes. so like Gandalf comes up, and like him and Gimli get together for like a whole season. Everyone's like, what's that all about? Yeah. yeah. Again, Joey and Rachel. It makes no sense. <laughs> it actually makes a lot of sense, but these didn't do it very well. Anyways... <laughs> Really on this Friends kick today. I love Friends. I I love all sitcoms. Really, Seinfeld's my favorite. But I, I that's when I started watching television. That's where my pop culture addiction came from. <laughs> like when we talk about us pitching all these other shows, the reason why they're all pop culture related and why I wanted to do this is because I've been obsessed since I was like nine with all of these things. As soon as like my parents handed me the remote, I'm like, well, this is what I know now. I'll tell you what. It definitely shows. <laughs> the math can't do it. Pop culture, <laughs> you, I got it. It makes sense to me. 
So next up is Game of Thrones Cross the Office. This one also came up several times when people were pitching fantasy shows. Um, it was already kind of done in that Lord of the Rings episode um, where, oh, I can't think of the guy's name, but the guy from the original British Office and The Hobbit was on Saturday Night Live. They did, like, The Office, but with Lord of the Rings. I didn't know about this. Yeah, Dwight was basically uh, Gollum. Okay. It, it, you know, it was that whole thing. It was the exact same story, basically, where they just kind of shifted everyone. Gandalf was the really annoying, like, un-PC boss. Yeah. So we take that whole thing, but it's Game of Thrones. How do you put that in an office setting? I don't I think it has to be the office, yeah. but... My mind goes one of two places. A, every house is a different department. Ooh, I like and that. it's all just in one giant office building and corporate headquarters. Okay. And we never leave the building, but we go floor to floor. Okay, okay. Or it's all following one company, okay, and it's different sales departments. <laughs> so it's not it's not like Game of Thrones really at all. It's just like they're super like violent with yeah, it. Yeah, it's Game of Thrones characters and the the themes of Game of Thrones, but in an actual in office. An office. <laughs> yeah. So you you have all the backstabbing and the the, the literal uh, backstabbing, effect, effectively getting somebody fired or killing them, right? And basically just removing them from the situation. Um. All in this corporatized environment. See, I think that would like it's not. It's getting a little bit away from Game of Thrones, but almost House of Cards, but in a company setting. You I know, like seen House of Cards. Oh so. man! Like again, Kevin Spacey, piece of shit. But that series was really good. <laughs> like, like House of Cards is genuinely like enthralling for like the first two or three seasons. I, I recommend it. But it, it it has a lot of subterfuge, and you have the the political coups and. Uh, the weird alliances. I mean, you could just like go all the way and have somebody in the basement making White Walkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, like, in, like the idea that I had was instead of transposing all this stuff into an office setting, you transpose that office into the Game of Thrones setting, and you follow the the bureaucracies of uh, what what are the name of the the Meisters? Is it the yeah, Meisters? Yeah. Um, so either do that or what's the, is, is that the, are the Meisters, the guys with the chains? Yeah. What's the name of their collective that like Sam goes and trains at? I believe, study? I believe they are the Meisters, but they it, go to like, is there a name tower? of their, okay. Yeah. Is there a name for that organization? I think so. I think it's just the Meisters. So whatever that wrong. order is, yeah. you follow the, the really annoying bureaucracy that keeps that afloat. The thing is everyone wants to see that because there's so much interesting stuff that is implied to happen there. Well, they, they also imply that they know everything and just yeah. don't tell anybody anything right? because they don't need to. And that's not like, they're very much like, uh, like the original Star Trek, like edict, which is yeah. like, you just observe, you don't, you don't, uh, interrupt yeah. or anything like that. Uh, you you Let saw that chaos a lot. and genocide happen. <sighs> just so to, like, I I really I'm one of the few people that have enjoyed uh, Game of Thrones like all the way through. So like it's never ruined for me. I really enjoyed the last season, and they showed a lot of that in the show with Sam. He goes to the Meisters and he's being trained, and he's like, these guys suck too. Just like everyone yeah. else, you know, all the political governments, they all suck, and a lot of it's caught up in bureaucracy. But one of the things they bring up, they're like, no, 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 we remember everything. Like we hold the documents. Yeah, all that stuff happened. Yeah. The long dark and all, or yeah. long winter, whatever the yeah. fuck they call it. Yeah, we we know about all that. Yeah. No, no, no. Like th that's true. Yeah. We, we... <laughs> have evidence and everything that just shows that that happened exactly so i think like if we follow it something in there like you follow the bureaucracy 
of that and the interesting dynamics that come from an office where, yeah, like no, this week we're studying like decomposing White Walkers and someone said that dragons are back, so the fairy fire is going again. Like I think you could use all those elements. You could use the exact same twist, but you just see it from inside that office. And like, oh, what the hell? Like my magic's working again. I guess dragons are back. <laughs> you know, like little things like that. You're like, oh, that guy's got a gold chain. What does that mean? Oh, that means like he can throw fire. Like, well, shit. Why don't we listen to that guy more? Like, why am I studying this? I'm th- sorry. He can what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> go go over the words you said again because I don't remember them being words that I hear. <laughs> the other thing that I thought would be interesting that you can throw in there is the way that that organization work is a lot like the Catholic um, universities of like what, where the priests go to school. Not like no, I'm not good. No, no, not going to make their schooling is so there. eclectic. Like you can go and get an astronomy degree if you're if you're a Catholic priest, yep. and, but it's all the same schools. Yep. Like and that's what I mean. Like. You have a different Meister for every, like, every chain means you're a master of a different type of yeah. study. Well, so every link means you're a master. Oh, link. Okay, yeah. So, so, do you, so do you know what I mean? Like, you can you can follow tons of different groups if oh, you wanted for sure, to. for sure. And I think, that, like, again, the department thing is really interesting. Like, how do I check out this book? You know, you had the librarians. Are they as evil as they are in Parks and Rec? Like, I think you could throw in a lot of the interesting aspects of the office where yes it's about like the inner relationships but also accounting doesn't get money from sales so they're just there trying to be the bean counters you, you can throw a lot of that in there just being in that oh, i was gonna say the chantry that's not what it is i almost had it it was in the back of my mind you know where the meisters are yeah everyone has robes but yeah i think that would be my version of it I think all three are actually very viable, and I would watch all of those shows, and they will never do that. No, absolutely not. Do you think maybe that was one of the spinoffs that they proposed? Probably. For Game of Thrones? Probably. <laughs> what if we just showed the bureaucracy of it all? Are you excited for the spinoffs? I know you're not a big fan of the show itself. I didn't know there were spinoffs. There was four pilots that they put out, okay. and only one was chosen. And that's going to be like the I think it was like the King's Age or whatever. It's like before Aegon. Okay. Like it's it's before all of that okay. stuff. It's I from what I could tell, I believe it was during when the, like the Targaryens were still yeah. in the other yeah, country. It been, so it would have been yeah. So at least that, that's how I remember. I'm not super excited the for age it. When the Seven Kingdoms was seven yeah kingdoms. yeah. I I think it'll be something close to that. I'll watch it. I'll watch anything that's on HBO. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> it's not TV. It's HBO. Um, so that's it for our co-op pitches. Now is where we fight to the death. I'll let you go first because that way the audience you still need time to <laughs> to make, make your up mine, steal my ideas. <laughs> no, it's so the audience gets fed up with yours, and I bring them back with ah, something that's actually ah, good. Okay. So you were challenged to do Lord of the Rings. No, no, you weren't. You were challenged to do Game of Thrones in the style of Lord of the Rings. There you go, buddy. I was challenged to do Lord of the Rings in the style of Game of Thrones. Yes. On, if I'm, we're looking at the Excel sheet, mine's listed first because mine's better. So I got to mix it up. not because you made the, the document. Well, it's 100% because I made the document, <laughs> but it's because I know mine is better. <laughs> so I'll let you go first. You know, All right. Age I mean, before beauty. This one's honestly pretty pretty on the nose for me. Okay. Um, you, you just do Robert's Rebellion. Oh, okay. So movie. you you don't do the normal Game of Thrones style. You go back to Robert's Rebellion, like that's what they call the Age of Heroes, wasn't it? Or no, no, that's, that's, that's where that's it ended. when they throw they overthrow the Targaryen. That's like the the 
the coup immediately before Game of Thrones. When right. No, no, I know that. Yeah. I think they called that the Age of. That's the end of the Age of Heroes, Probably. I believe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So that that's where that those like you don't get murals of people anymore in Game right. of Thrones. That's right. when like you know Robert would overthrow somebody and like you would still paint him with the yeah. antler helmet and yeah. stuff. Yeah, now absolutely. you don't get paintings in Game of Thrones anymore. It's just like, well, we cut his head off when no one was looking. Right. So I win. Don't paint that. <laughs> Paint Don't something better. Paint somebody else doing it. <laughs> no, uh, but it, it so gives, you pick that's like one of the more bloody times of yeah, Game of Thrones. But the thing is, it centralizes around a war. Okay. And it gives you a reason to have your protagonist team form up at the beginning of the movie in the first act. So kind of like the fellowship. Yeah, you I form you form your fellowship. They are going to instead of take the ring and destroy it, they're going to collect the ring. Right. Basically. Um, or find get the MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, and so you have your first act of building this team, which is is that Stark's sister? What's the yeah, MacGuffin? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's Lyanna. It has to be right. I get it. It's set, like they do objectify her pretty hard yeah. in that series. No, 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 she just is an object in yeah. that series. Well, I mean, she's a statue now, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, man, that's like when you say MacGuffin, I was like, what? There's really nothing else. I guess the throne. Yeah, but they don't. They didn't care about the throne. It was not to not get really the throne. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. So like, I would look into the more bloody aspects of like you know the King Slayer and all of the subterfuges that happened. But if you look at what is more, I guess pure than like they're doing it for love. Way the wrong reasons, and she's not interested. <laughs> it's not, clearly, it's it's lust. Yeah, they're doing it for lust. Yeah, but there at least was a delineation. The problem I have with it is Lord of the Rings. Part of it being not one of my favorite fantasy series even though it's a classic, is it's so, you know, Axis versus Allies. Like, yeah. there is a yeah. clear delineation of who is good and yeah. who is bad. I mean, you can very easily make the Targaryens look even worse than they are. Right. You just, you just don't show Rhaegar and Lyanna. You just show the Mad King right. burning people alive. You do it almost purely from, from Robert's point yeah. of view. Yeah, you, you have to. You make Robert the point of view character keeping it third person. Right. But... It's very uh, him, Arthurian, yeah, actually. You, you you color the world through his eyes, and all of a sudden, every action that any Targaryen takes is evil and despicable and terrifying. Just by default. Just by default. Right. And so it's okay that you're tearing apart cities and overthrowing everything just to kill this king, take his place, and save the girl. <laughs> <laughs> right, I can see that, and and if you did want to throw a twist in there, get like get a little bit farther away from Lord of the Rings, but still keep the tone, you do go further into the Arthurian, where no, the bad guy, you know, like, I guess not the bad guy, but you know, when is it Guinevere? Is that is that Arthur's yep. wife? When yep. she leaves him for Lance a lot, you know, like you had that subterfuge where you then do throw in the Rhaegar yep. and Lyanna thing. So okay, I can see that working. Like mid act two. Yeah, yeah, we're like, oh no, he is maybe kind of the bad guy, but the Targaryen still sucks, so we still got to take him down. So then he be kind of comes like a martyr almost. Yep. So it, you make him, you go from him being Aragorn to more like Frodo. He's he's Smeagol. Yeah, Rhaegar is Smeagol. Yeah, rather than Gollum, and the, and Robert's perception of him is Gollum. And you, I guess, you can almost do. Uh, the Kingslayer is almost like Wormtongue a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he's playing both sides yeah. for his own benefit. Except Wormtongue before he's completely bad. Because yeah. Because he's being used by our side. Exactly. Against the other side. I, you know, I, I, too often do I, do I, 
like dog on Lord of the Rings where I just go, oh, you know, no one dies. There's no women in it. It's all like happy-go-lucky and the hobbits win until they don't really hard and then they win again. So I, I guess there is a lot more elements to it when I think of Lord of the Rings. So do you do it as a movie? Do you yeah, do it as a show? A movie. It's a movie? It's, it's probably two two and a half hour movie it's a little long but one but one but single one part single movie. okay so it's basically fellowship yeah but okay yeah i think it would be a long movie i think you'd have to drag it out but you definitely streamline some of the fight scenes well we and... could just make it three movies oh yeah yeah oh like the hot <laughs> 300 pages 100 pages for each for each movie exactly right, let's do this right and by right i mean completely wrong <laughs> although i stand by that the first hobbit movie is good yeah i enjoyed the first hobbit the first hobbit is i think that should have been two watchable yeah and i think both should have ended with this like I, I i think you leave out the three armies part completely i think you end the second one with a you know the riddle armies? match yeah five arm whatever See, that's it's ruined hobby for me. <laughs> uh i think you you end the second one with him having a riddle off with smaug just yeah. like he did with Gollum in the first yeah. one anyways that's a whole different story so i i like that who do you who do you cast as as young robert young stark young rhaegar all these and who do you cast the mad king that's another big one if he, that's going to be your sauron that's going to be your antagonist or i guess it'd be more like saruman but the mad i don't have anybody completely in mind for mm-hmm. anybody but i think the mad king is probably the one you need to have just on lock yes yeah, so you get like a, a huge name for that yeah and you have like not anthony hopkins but that level yeah. of of somebody do you get somebody from the, from the original series or do you get somebody from lord of the rings someone with that like okay this is a fantasy actor that no, we followed I, who's a thespian i think you get somebody else yeah i think you still get a big name but i think you get a, a new face i like sir patrick stewart we don't get to see him interesting as a villain very often and as much as like the mad king is the mad king he doesn't start there and i think he could pull off like if you saw logan that sl- like you see the moments where he is back to being you know xavier yeah. and he's with it and he's smart and witty but then you have those moments where he's just losing it and he's angry and he's sad and that's where you get Rhaegar's mad king yeah. and i think he could pull that off i don't know if he could pull off the beard and like the long hair and the fingernail, like when he's creepy, yeah. I don't know if you could pull that off, but I think he could do the performance. I'm I'm totally f- flummoxed on coming up with a name. Uh, Sirius Black. Uh, oh, uh, Jim yeah. Gordon. Yeah, uh, the yeah. Actor's name. Yeah, you I know it. I, I, I yeah, but that, the guy who played Jim Gordon, I'll look it up. Yeah. So continue on, but him. I, what I, would you do with him? I think I think he's my candidate for the Mad King. Um. Just because of how thoroughly he is able to take on the guise of other characters, like so, he's a character actor that's now like recognizable. Right, right. So bringing bringing him in, I think you would be able to go through that transformation very thoroughly with him, and I think part of that is just because of how well. I at least I personally Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yes, yes, yes. yes. I I think I like that he can pull off the creepiness. Yeah, of he it. can pull off the creepiness, but he can also pull off the the not creepiness. Yeah, like you have those moments um, towards the end of Rhaegar's life that we don't like. You don't see in the show, and they only kind of touch on it a little bit in the books. But like where he has those moments of clarity, where he's like, no, no, there's a reason why I'm doing this crazy shit. Yeah, and he could pull off just the quick switch back and forth of. No, like fuck those guys, but yeah. also 
there's a war coming and yeah. we need to burn them all. Like he could he could do those switches. Plus he has the same type of face. He has the Targaryen face. Yeah. I kind of that's one thing that Patrick Stewart like my idea for him, like I just like him cuz he he can pull off both. Yeah. But absolutely. he does not have the look. Gary Oldman has that look and he's older now. I think the one thing you do have to do is you lean more into the Game of Thrones. You give them the purple eyes and like the silvery white hair. Do you put the prosthetic nose on there? Like you give yeah. them the hook? Yeah. Yeah, you you lean into every aspect of every house and you really exemplify who these characters are and who they were, primarily because you're in that age where they are at the peak of that description. You have Robert as the muscular, dark of hair, dark of eye, like archetype of man you have ned as the steadfast and stout ally um you have john aaron as the the protector the guide the kind of watcher who is partnered with them so almost gandalf level but without the the magic and the he's not the he's not the deus ex machina but he is the the fulcrum or the crux i guess the He's the brain yeah. behind the operation. He's the one who would tell, like, putting those people together. Yes. I like that. I like that. So do you just follow, like, just, but same story beats as Robert's Rebellion? You just go through so. step by step? Okay, here, here is the girl. Here's them being trained. They're basically orphans. Now they have this gigantic quest, and they're going to be kings and knights and dukes. Yep. I like that, and I think that's... uh more along the lines like of the heroic tale of Lord of the Rings, where a lot of those guys start already started out as royalty and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh, but so, so you, did most of Robert's allies. They were just minor nobles. Right, right. Like well, the Starks were but like Robert wasn't. No, Robert wasn't. The Starks weren't either. The Starks were still the rulers of Winterfell. Yeah, but they were still like it's, nobles. It's, it's what what do you define as minor nobles? Minor. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And I guess the Baratheons too, like they were they didn't they be- got they became big time yeah. after this, yeah. but the it's not like they were peasants. Yeah, but yeah, okay. I guess that that kind of fits. Do you have a Frodo esque character where it's uh, the the green horn? I don't the, think so. No, you leave that aspect out I, of it. You I focus think, more on like yeah. I don't think you have the hesitant follower. Yeah, the 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 new or any of the hobbits really. I don't think you have the oh we're here to go with Frodo and. Because we love him. And <laughs> Frodo's, oh, I have to do this thing. That's the one big delineation you yeah. get from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Other than it being a different world, different yeah. story. Like, you just, you don't have that greenhorn in it. So it, it basically feels to me like, what if you did Lord of the Rings, but Aragorn was the Right. The so, and I think you can kind of throw it in there where, like, you, you play on Ned's nobility and his... Oh, what's the word for it? Like, naivete? Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, for sure. And you you throw those characters together. Yeah, yeah. I think that would work. Um, I think you, I think you kind of, what's the word for it? Uh it's kind of uh, you hit the nail on the head a little bit, but you you cast Sean Bean as uh, what's their mentor's name? John Aaron. Yeah, as you cast him as John Aaron. So you, you pull in all the people who are fans of Lord of the Rings. You're like this is the Lord of the Rings style thing, but also the fans of the Game of Thrones. Yeah, you, have, you have to. Well, Sean Bean has to be included. But in also John Aaron. Well, he dies way later on, but he's got to die in the thing. So maybe maybe you don't cast him as that. 
You cast him as the target. <laughs> you, you cast him as one of the the noble allies that dies early on in the. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could be Ned Stark's older brother. Oh yes. <laughs> so old though. Sean Bean yeah. is old now. Yeah. Like he's, it just he's getting up there. Yeah. All these guys are. Like, you said Gary Oldman. I'm like, oh, he's not old. I'm like, no, yeah, he is. It doesn't really. It, it works in a different level. Yeah. But it's it's just like you know we were talking about X Men like Hugh Jackman. I always used to cast Hugh Jackman. Every I love that guy. He's kind of old though. He's, he's getting gray. Like Tom Cruise is gonna be sixty this year. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh man. So I like that pitch. I know it was a little bit more co op, but that's because like I couldn't fight you on a lot of that. That was that's fun. I like a lot of those ideas. Mine's a little bit more, I guess, focused. Uh, I I I thought about doing exactly the exact same story as Lord of the Rings but in the Game of Thrones style. And I think that's still going to be it. Just a lot more death. So is there any more points you want to meet on yours before I just bum everybody out and kill all their favorite characters? No, I, th- I think my uh, Game of Thrones as Lord of the Rings pitch is done. <laughs> I think you uh, you might just win by default because I helped you. you know, that makes everything better. That is one way to look at it. <laughs> so I think you start out exactly the same way as the movies do. You start out in the Shire. You start out with Bilbo passing the torch with the ring, except for you make it way more obvious that time is passing just so you can get all of the Game of Thrones people on board. We're like, ah, I see what you did there. This is this is much time, and this is a distance of measurement. And <laughs> people have the same issues. Like They forget about it. They have the same issues with Lord of the Rings as they do with Game of Thrones when it comes to how much time has passed and how long things take to do mm-hmm. like, or when it comes to travel, like, that was a big thing in the last season is Danny rides dragons really, really fast to a place. And people were like, Oh, how dare you? I'm like, yeah, but she's riding a dragon. Like if, <laughs> if you have an issue with like measurements of time, like we got to talk about realism versus fantasy escapism. Like what are we looking for out of this show? So that joke aside, I think you get rid of, oh, six months pass between Bilbo passing the torch and then them going to that bar. That all happens in one night. So essentially, Bilbo hands off the ring. He dies of old age. Like, no, he doesn't come back at the end. All that stuff. He dies. He's 5,000 years old or whatever happens in Lord of the Rings. You started out. There's only 11 Yeah, exactly. And But you start the, the, the death rolling real quick. So people know that this is a little bit of a different story. So just on his deathbed, he passes. Not even that. Like, he goes up. He's doing. He wants to do his fantastic reveal, and he does it. He slips the ring on, disappears, and then he dies. And people have a hard time finding him for a little while. <laughs> Frodo comes across him, and this is where he finds out he's got the ring. This is where he then finds the book of all these crazy adventures, and he's like, well, crap. I would have liked to hear some of these firsthand, but instead, he finds Bilbo's corpse, and it's all sad. Gandalf comes to town then for basically the funeral, and then you have all the jokes with the other Bagginses, and you get a lot of the levity mm-hmm. out front. Yep. So then you can Shakespeare them and then cut them down real quick and get off saying, okay, now we actually have to go to this mission that we should have did 300, 400 years ago. However, time a works. Time a long time ago. Exactly. And then they, they set off immediately. The other hobbits follow. But, again, you, you focus on that, that darker tone while still having the fun of it. I think that's one thing that Game of Thrones does really well that Lord of the Rings didn't have to because no one dies in those stories other than Sean Bean. <laughs> but is you, you have to have the levity to... Uh, accentuate the darkness otherwise it's just sad and depressing which sometimes game of thrones is but lord of the rings doesn't 
have that. Yeah. So it's just when it's fun, it's like, okay, this is weirdly jovial and sweet. And then now it's just melodrama. And you avoid the melodrama by actually having real drama. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> not that you can't have drama without somebody dying, but I think that's a good place to start. And then they immediately. They, they head off to that bar, they meet Aragorn, they, they meet up with the elves after being stabbed, and that's where the story takes place. This is all the first episode, and you do this as a series. This is Amazon's Lord of the Rings story that they're they're doing. So when, when does the first episode end? On what does it end? It ends with Frodo being stabbed. Okay. And I think that that's, that'll go, okay, this is, this is dark, this is fast-paced, and it's serious. And that was one thing, Lord of the Rings never felt dire to me, because the second everything happened... It, it was already solved. Yeah. Until, like, the second movie, I guess. Like, when you have Frodo actually traveling, that's when, like, it felt dire. But then even then they had magic bread and they never starved. I think you we accentuate and really accent the, the darker parts and kind of dwell on them a little bit. So, again, Frodo being stabbed is the end of the first episode. Yep. So... Game of Thrones, what they did really, really well with that first season is you didn't know if it was a fantasy series or not. Right. So you kind of pull back. So when Bilbo disappears, was it a magic trick? Like, yes, they are short people with hairy feet and they're they're bigger. But like, other than that, it could just be a normal TV show about yeah. medieval times. Yeah. And you don't see anything magical until the wraiths show up in that first episode. Yeah. And again, same thing as Game of Thrones. You don't really know it's fantasy except for maybe that guy was killed by zombies in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Other than that, this could be in just a normal medieval show. So, and I think you, we, we again, the accent, we make the wraiths even scarier. So not like Prisoner of Azkaban, they're, they're flying around or anything like that. But I think the creepiness of them just having that black face was really, really good in the original series. But they immediately, when he puts the ring on to disappear, he sees them all for what they are. I think you make them creepier than that yeah. that scene. Yeah, than just like decaying. Yeah, decaying old men. I don't, I don't know what you do with that. Maybe go more like a skeletal route. What do you think about doing almost a Seven Deadly Sins style thing where they all become aspects of what they became? Yeah, I think that definitely works. Uh, picking which one does what is hard right, because... No, no. You don't actually go into the Seven Deadly Sins, but you but... all make them obviously corrupted by something. Something, yeah. I like that. Again, like, you can't do this seven deadly sins because like, it was all greed and yeah. power and lust. Yeah, <laughs> greed, power, and lust. That's it. But I think you're right. I think Iraq. like that's how you make them a little bit more creepy and, again, show some sort of like delineation. Like They all look the same to me. Like As a kid, I could not tell... In, in the books, they do a little bit of a better job because they do different things. Yeah. You know, like you have the, the the dragon rider very specifically is this one, and then you have the witch king. Like yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. In the movies, they're just dudes in cloaks. Were just a bunch of guys. Yeah, like I couldn't tell a difference. Like when the guy that stabbed Frodo came up later, I'm like, who? Which one? Which was one he? Was? Yeah. Yeah, and also I think that's a way to start out the next episode in. It shows the actual combat. Like it shows the next part that I think we focus on, which is. The combat, I think only the second Lord of the Rings really did that justice. And Game of Thrones has its moments of both, where it's like, okay, that was a terrible sword fight, and that was an amazing sword fight. You do love your fight scenes. Yeah, I do. I do. I love them. Um, So I think you go a little bit like when Cold Hand shows up in the show, which is Aragorn showing up, and he's instead of it being a torch, I think we give him some sort of chain weapon, some sort of, uh, I don't know, like a jack-o'-lantern type thing. Not jack-o'-lantern, but a lantern. Like okay. swinging to, to scare like, away like a lantern on a chain on a stick. chain or a rope exactly something to swing something like, that shows like a like a ferry boat would have yeah yes exactly like that yeah give him something 
that he can impress with. Because if it's just torch and sword, you can't do much more than just wave it at it's them. It's basically a flailing mace or a flaming mace. Yeah, flaming. Yeah, give him something like a flaming mace and like swing it around and show some sort of actual martial arts so prowess. Establish him as like, no, no, no. They're good fighters. He is better. Well, one thing they didn't do very well in the original movies was show that he was a ranger yeah, before a ranger. they dropped the bomb that he was Aragorn. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a reveal later on in the season. I think we play on that a little bit longer. He is Strider. Yeah, he's Strider for a long time. Yeah, and show like show what the rangers mean in that he is more than human. That's another yeah. thing that they don't do very well other than dropping lines about like, no, he's really good because he's not really human. He yeah. And like, people get mixed up. Duodine is not the race he is. That's like it's like the the class, if yeah, you will. Yeah. He's a ranger, but he's a duodine. Yeah. There's a name for the race that he's, he is. He's human plus. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Isn't isn't he of the race of man? Yeah, something it's like something that? it's something dumb like that. They are the descendants of elves, and then we are the descendants of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Something, Point being, yeah. we show that he is superhuman. Yeah. And we show those interesting fight scenes because other than that, he's a ranger because at one point, Pippin and Mary drop the the little charm they have that holds their uh, cloaks. cloaks together, and he's like, oh, I saw that. Yeah. That's the one time we see that they're rangers, and every once in a while he'll hear something that no one else hears. Yeah. But I think we, we like... What like, do your kind of elven ears hear? <laughs> exactly. We I think we expand upon that and show him as Strider, this dark anti-hero, and I think we focus more on um, him almost kidnapping them, because they just kind of go with him. Yeah. I think we make him a little bit more like the Hound... Or Jamie Lannister, where they're all kind of forced together because they're yeah. all trying to do this yeah. thing, except for he doesn't know how to be helpful with them, yeah. and slowly show that that sweetness of him, and yeah. that's when we get the reveal that he is Aragorn. So instead of the, oh, which breakfast is it? Blah blah blah. That whole scene. Yeah. You get a, no, we're going. Yeah, exactly, and that's when you you get those same jokes, but instead of it being sweet and like what you already ate, yeah, it's instead like of being silly and funny. It's it's. No, you ate. We're leaving. Exactly. Now. So after so after they get scared away, Frodo's been stabbed. That's when we introduce the elves. And I think he, like that was handled pretty well in the movies as well as the books. I don't think you have to dark that. Like you don't have to make that. I don't think we have to make everything melodramatic and sad and dark and glim. But I think you can kind of focus a little bit more that the elves don't want to help. Yeah. I think you can play on that a little bit more, and that's where you get some of the Game of Thrones style in there. We can show some of the political maneuvering. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big cutaways, is we constantly go back to the elves. I don't think they did that enough in Lord of the Rings to show just what was going on. You know, it's just, we don't want to help, man, and you know what? We're going to bounce, I think. Yeah, we don't, it's really... We don't need to help. <laughs> and Why I th- would we? And I think if you show that, because there are factions of the elves that did want to help, yeah, yeah. and the king did actually care for Aragorn because he cares for his daughter, I think if you show a little bit more of that, that adds more heart, and it, again, makes it as a series. And I think we split it up even more, because I think you make those three books into, you know, kind of like they did with Game of Thrones. I think you make it like six, seven seasons. I know a lot of people going, well, that's dumb, and that's dragging things out. But hear me out. If you end this movie with the fellowship actually being put together, like kind of, again, maybe that should have been split into a different book. Same thing with the movies. I think if you end with, okay, and now we're on our mission, I think that's a really interesting way to start season two. Yeah. And I think if you do it as a TV series, especially like a 10 episode, I think you can get 10 episodes out of getting to becoming the fellowship. Mm -hmm. Then 10 episodes to 
basically where we ended book one. Right. And, and I think there's going to be a little bit of a lull there that might scare away some audiences. There's not going to be a fight scene in every episode. Right. Like I said, like if episode like uh, two and three are a little bit more focused on the elves and their political maneuvering and the relationship between what you then later find out is Aragorn. But again, you just, you set up that he has some relationship with the elves and he's more respected than the other humans, but still not an insider. And then like one of the big reveals in episode three or four is that he's with one of the elves. Yeah. You know, that's when you, you introduced Eowyn. I think you get both audiences, the people who like Game of Thrones for the crazy epic fantasy romance and political intrigue. And you get the, I want to see dragons and sword fights and fireballs. And there are a lot of fun reveals that they just kind of push past when it comes to Fellowship. Like, when Gandalf then does meet up with them again, that can be a whole episode on its own of him finding out... Like, you jump back and forth throughout those episodes of Gandalf sitting with Saruman and going, okay, how do we solve this? And them having an interesting... It starts off with an interesting conversation about the world and filling us in, and then it slowly becomes a chess match of both of us are lying about something. I mean, you can make that part of seven eight nine maybe a full season of episodes yeah and that's what i mean i think you, you can gandalf i don't think even other than the first episode when he meets with the hobbits i think he's in the background stuck there and one of the bigger reveals towards the end of the season is him getting away on on the what are the name of the eagles are they just the eagles? the great eagles the great the eagles? eagles okay yeah so i call them rock birds but yeah, yeah. yeah i think that's one of the big reveals is okay now he gets away and one of the big turns because again saruman in the book, it's supposed to be more of his friend, and you see the turn, and then you find out he's using the looking glass, and he's been corrupted. If you make that a slower burn, you can you get more out of Saruman. You, it's a more believable bad guy, because really, like if you watch the movies, it's like, okay, now I'm bad. Yeah, Sorry, it's man. Just, oh, Saruman's bad now. Yeah, I'm going to put you up on the roof till you agree to be with me, or you die. Yeah. So, pick one. And plus, I think that allows you to have more of a philosophical conversation, like think Magneto versus Xavier in a lot of those movies. And you can have them talk about the gods that they represent. Yeah. That's one thing you don't get that they're avatars so of bringing, these deities. You're bringing Silmarillion into For this, sure, like 100%. And not just as a way to pad it, but a right. way to color those conversations. And Because in the movie, no, I'm not trying to dog in the movie. I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I like them more than the books, if I'm being completely honest. I think they're more focused. Yeah. But one of the things that they can't do because they're movies is they can't really dwell on some of the more fascinating elements. Gandalf dies and comes back. Why did he come back? I don't know, but there's that scene where he falls into white and they then comes back. have to establish the story, mm -hmm. but you can establish the world yes. in, in the show like this. Yeah, and I think that allows us to then eventually bring in more of the Silmarillion, like bring the other the, the two blue wizards in, like at season four or five. Like characters that then people never saw before. Oh man, you can actually make Tom Bombadil. Yeah, you can explain that. Like he, he can be more like like Q from yeah. uh from Star Trek, you yeah. know, the, the the weird deity that just yeah. likes them. Yeah. Like, you can bring him in and give him more of a fascinating story. Tom Bombadil, absolutely fantastic. It's one of the, it's one of the more interesting parts of that of Hobbit on, yeah. like, that you just don't get out of the movie. Because, like, you can't just toss in a deus ex machina deity who might be good, might be evil, but really just doesn't give a fuck either way. A guy that can put on the ring, laugh at it, and then put it, it back, off, yeah. and go, okay, I want to see what you do with this. And I think that also does, like... Uh, I know I'm kind of getting the other the other sides, but I think people are getting what I'm going for here. One other thing that I want to do, other than bring more of the Silmarillion in, have more of those conversations between Gandalf and Saruman, I think those are big parts, is show Samwise as being 
maybe the more uh the less logical per like less obvious person to carry the ring but the more logical choice oh, he's the better choice for it, sure. like i think because in the movies people forget and like it just brushes past that he has the ring and gives it back to frodo yeah. several times yeah i think we show more of those heroic moments in him that he's really not necessarily the hero of the hobbits because like mary and pippin and frodo all get their moments to shine they definitely do cool things but samwise is the good guy samwise is the good guy and i think that lets you have more of the weird compass spinning of frodo of am i really doing this or do i just want to hold on to this ring longer and this is an excuse because they do that more in the books where frodo is more like i just want to hold on the ring and this I have to do this mission, but this is more an excuse for me to hold on to this cool thing. Yeah, that it also I, means I don't have to take the ring right, to exactly. the volcano. Yeah, and and there are elements, too, that I think people brush past where it's like, is he leading them on the right way? Is he okay with Gollum leading them the wrong way? Like they, they get to mess with that a little bit more in the series, showing more of that coin flip of Frodo going to the dark side, really. Slowly becoming more like the river folk, you know, like Gollum and Smeagol. I think you can mess around with that more in a 10-episode series... And actually, later on seasons, because, I, again, we don't even go on that journey yet. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that allows each season to kind of breathe in a way that you couldn't do with the movie. The movies had to be split into, the, like, the three books. Yeah. Whereas in the show, you could do, like, okay, end of season one, kind of end. The cliffhanger is that it is kind of working out. We now have everybody on board. The political intrigue going on in the background is them all the different, like, societies talking to each other and going, maybe we do need to form this fellowship. Yep. And I think... That allows for that Game of Thrones reveal that maybe it isn't all bad. Kind of like Danny at the end of season one, like rising from the ashes. You you get those moments. You can make the Ents super fascinating. Oh, that's another thing. Like Ents are one of like the coolest like, tribe is the wrong word, but like coolest races, I yeah. guess, in that series. That doesn't get much play other than you get Treebeard and some of his friends. You can show some of them being plagued by orcs and why he's so against helping the hobbits once he realizes that they're not orcs still. I think you can you can play around with all of those little things. You can bring in more characters from the Hobbit like they were like in the the revised versions of Lord of the Rings. I think you can mess around with some of those stories. You could even do flashbacks to some of that where Frodo is hearing stories about Bilbo. That's what allows you to cast somebody cool as Bilbo and have Gandalf telling him tales in season two when they're on the journey, almost like Mimir yeah. in God of War. Yeah. Like jumping back and going, You like, you know, like Bilbo wasn't just like a storyteller he was a thief yeah like he was a good one like (laughs) and you you can basically tell the hobbit through through season two and three and i think that would be really cool asides of showing gandalf why he cares about frodo because you don't you don't you get this really weird relationship with him and the hobbits that like he cares about them but why yeah it's it's like a all right so he's just like the protector of the shire Yeah, exactly and he's not though in the books and that's i i think you could play with that a little bit like this is why i care about you guys it's not because i like hobbits it's because i like bilbo yeah and the same thing too is have frodo learning that story because again he loves Bilbo because that's his uncle but like other than that you don't you don't get why necessarily or i didn't i didn't really believe that relationship it's it's because Frodo's parents died and Bilbo adopted him. Exactly. So tell that story. Yeah, but and, you, don't, you don't see that. Anymore. Yeah. And, and same thing with uh, have him only know certain aspects of The Hobbit as through Bilbo's tellings rather than what really happened. Because yeah. you know Bilbo painted himself to be a hero when really like he was going to abandon the dwarves. You know, a, a lot of those things can be told in such a fascinating aspect. But I think that's where I'll end my pitch there. That's my pitch for Lord of the Rings in the style of Game of Thrones. Uh, I think we both know whose is better. So... Game of, the Thro- Game of Thrones in the style of Lord of the Rings went from a huge, sprawling series to a single movie. <laughs> and, and Lord of the Rings went from 
a huge sprawling trilogy <laughs> to a huge to sprawling a TV even show. more huge <laughs> sprawling seven eight series or seven eight season yes. series yes and uh yeah, I know not a lot of people would want to see Lord of the Rings told that way. I do. Oh, I, think I that'd absolutely be would. <laughs> I would watch both of them. It'd be me, you, and like two of our friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we just watch the whole thing and forget to eat. Oh, man. That's how I did Battlestar Galactica, oh, the yeah. first two seasons. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen more, more than two seasons. Like, I, I know it's kind of like blasphemy when it comes to like my pop culture knowledge. But, man, do those it's first two go at it. Like, fast clip. I watched it in like two days. I'm like, oh, man, you want to watch another season? Just like season. It wasn't like, do you want to watch another there. episode? <laughs> yeah. It just like carries on. There's that uh, Portlandia sketch mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, like, do you want to watch another one? And like seven days has passed. They both lost their jobs and they're yeah. being evicted because they just watched Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. That's how it went. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I would do Lord of the Rings. That's kind of how I did the first season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I was a late adopter to that. I actually have an interesting story of how I found Game of Thrones. I, Go ahead. I believe I just like saw the the box at Barnes and Noble. It's like that looks interesting. That's an HBO show. That's probably pretty good quality. And I watched the first. Are season. you serious? And then I was like, wait, this is a book series. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's so fascinating because like you and and my wife both live under this pop culture rock you guys don't study the internet in the same way that even just like most people do like uh my my wife emily doesn't even like check facebook for anything other than her friends stuff so like say a celebrity does something crazy or a new movie is announced like she doesn't know any of that exactly and it's the same way with you except for she at least watched stuff when she was younger you didn't watch stuff then either so like (laughs) the weird touchstones you have like you discovered hbo in a barnes and noble after it was on dvd that's so crazy see like that's where i got into like boutique high cable television was h was hbo and game of thrones because I was a big nerd when it came to comic books. I watched all of those movies and whatnot. But when the first season of Game of Thrones came out, I just wasn't interested. I didn't see anything. I never read those novels. I was a big Ari Salvatore fan. Other than that, I wasn't big into finding other authors. I went to Game or I went to Barnes and Noble and read probably like twenty percent of the sci-fi fantasy shelf see that's that's crazy to me like i like i always ask people what are your favorite things i'm gonna imbibe those like i always just i that way i get the cream of the crop really some things don't stick with me some people have better tastes than others i agree some of the stuff like no offense to you some of the stuff you recommended me i'm like this is not best stuff it's your favorite stuff which makes it more interesting to me but when it came to game of thrones a lot of my friends who weren't into even fantasy were like you need to watch game of thrones and I was like, I don't know. It's a medieval show. There's no fantasy elements. They're like, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's more to it. It's like, okay. I watched the first episode. I was like, okay, that was good. I don't know if it was like, it didn't blow my mind. It was interesting though. I'll watch the second episode. And then I was in. After that, I was hooked. I watched the entire first season in one day at my ex-girlfriend's loft. And I was like, okay, I'm in Game <laughs> of Thrones, I guess. And then season two came out and that's when I met my wife. And she was like, this show's good. And I was like, yes, we watch all of it now. <laughs> And then by then it was the phenomenon. All of my friends watched it. Yeah. So like we would have viewing parties and whatnot. And then I read the books and I hated them. Honestly, like I hate the books. Like yeah. I'm not a fan of George R.R.'s writing style. Yeah. He makes some cool stuff, but like, I don't think he knows how to like say it very well. On paper. <laughs> <laughs> not that we're ones to talk. I just rambled on and on about like three episodes of a 10 episode season. So anyways, those are our pitches. You decide who's good. We, we put up our votes on Patreon. So we put up a poll and you can vote who's best for the month of September. Who's best for the month of October. You tell us who wins. Obviously it's me. Just don't hurt John's feelings. You're going to put in the comments. Say he did. Okay. 
you know, say like you don't have to like be completely honest and say that like, he was terrible. You know, say he did all right. You know, yeah, he did so his at least best. Make it close. Give Terry that 45, 46 percent <laughs> that he deserves. And... 60 40 is fine with either one of us. We just we obviously know who it was. So now we're gonna jump to our next special co-op section, and that is our lightning round. That's never with lightning, and it's less than a round and more of a, like a list of things that we then talk about for an hour. Kind of faster fire <laughs> so first off we play a game that i'm coining now based on some of our other episodes is what would happen if george r, r. martin wrote those stories oh okay go on they both die Next, <laughs> everyone's dead. everyone's dead by the end of the first episode or the first 10 minutes of both of those that's what would happen if george r, r. martin wrote game of thrones which he already did <laughs> and again i do want to know it was game of thrones style the show yeah. not so much yeah. the book all right, so next up is our is our fantasy spinoffs. This is this lightning round. So this is if we were to spin off several characters out of our famous fantasy stories. Okay. First up is uh, Vizini and Friends from, uh, from, Princess Bride. from Princess Bride. How would we do that? You make it obviously. You make it the first the first time when when Vizini finds the two of them. So when he finds them unemployed in Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> in Greenland. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. See, like and that's like it kind of sold itself like when i saw that one pop up i'm like that's actually a pitch and like, we might vi- revisit this uh longer <laughs> that's the one i would watch but i, I think you start from the beginning i think you have the hijinks of him being a terrible leader having semi-okay plans but not knowing how to execute them do you just vizini's got to be like the youngest brother yes of a, like a bunch of successful brothers and yes he's just like he's a the merchant family <laughs> and i think you almost do it um better call Saul style um okay. where it's like his his brothers are successful merchants, almost yeah. like they did in um, oh shoot, what was that pirate show? That is a prequel to the to Treasure Island. It was on Stars. Black Sails. Black Sails, like Black Sails, where you have um, what what was the name of the governor's family? Oh, I don't remember. But the I, the, yeah. the the girl who's the head of the merchant, yeah. family, we're like they are the black sheep of the family yeah. because they're illegal. He does the same thing. He couldn't make it as a traitor, so you know he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be a pirate. Yeah. So and that's where he meets Inigo, who's aimless and drunk, kind of how we find him after he's defeated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, go back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Except for this is him, like not he's he's been failing his at, mission for years. At the beginning. And that's the promise that Vizini makes to him. He's like, listen, I'm going to help you find the six fingered man. Yeah. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, and that's where, and same thing, like when he find, like they hear about this monster, and they think if they they can kill this monster in Greenland, they can then use that legend to then make some money yeah. and go on from yeah, there. They'll, It'll, use, they'll lever off that fame, a fame exactly, and they can kind of become maybe more mercenaries, and that's when they meet Fezic, yeah. and they're like, oh, he is a sweet man. <laughs> And they give him some directions. Who's no longer this monster? Who's not actually terrorized? It's kind of like Shrek, where like people are coming to terrorize him. Yeah, people are like, "Oh, it's an ogre. He must be evil." <laughs> so he's like, "Leave me alone." <laughs> and so from then you have the team, and then they just go through hijinks, like terrible, terrible job to terrible job to terrible heist to terrible pirating. So. Fezzik and Inigo have to be the ones who actually make everything happen. Yes. But they never realize that they did it right. No, it's just like like at the end of Princess Bride, he's like, you finally did something right. We're like, they've been doing things right the yeah. entire movie. Like, yeah. Fezzik's the best character in that right. movie. Right, But yes, it's that. It's it's almost, not necessarily tearing them he's down. He's gaslighting them. Con- 
making them believe that it was all part of his plan. Exactly. Everything was always part of Vizzini's <laughs> it plan. It was always part of his plan. Where it's like, he's just bad at making plans, and he's terrible at motivating these two guys. <laughs> he's just bad at doing everything. <laughs> but I think, I think that would be a fun series. And then I think the end of season one cliffhanger is some sort of nod to uh, those two countries getting back together and someone coming towards them to say hey we want gildan to have a civil war okay and so that's when he starts to put together the plan that would then eventually come to princess bride yeah (laughs) i think that i I actually think we we do that as a long pitch at some point that's a really good one uh next one up the adventures of hodor (laughs) now is this pre-hodor or post-hodor I think it's pre him being an adult, but post him being hoderized. So it's, it's the like, the last stage of growing up, <laughs> realizing that this is his life now. Yeah, I think you do it kind of like the Wonder Years, where like you have those huge moments of levity. It's an eighties comedy. It's funny. It has the inner monologue. Because all he can say is Hodor, so the inner monologue is a chance for him to actually say things. Or you do it completely campany, and the inner monologue is just Hodor. Hodor, Hodor. I was, I was thinking of it more like to to at least film it. You you do it kind of like how I imagine the Truman Show would be filmed, okay. where no, where you have this main character mm-hmm. and everything is about them, but it's not about them. Right, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's about how do they go about their. Yeah, I think life. it's how do they, how does. He, he observe everybody else that's happening yeah. in Winterfell. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly that. Again, you do it wonder wonder your style where a lot of the comedy is making fun of them, how rough their life is and how sad it is, but like how there's actually legitimate levity to that situation yeah. and how he still was able to make a life for himself yeah. there. Yeah. Where like he can only say Hodor, but everyone there liked him because he was a good kid before, yeah. but he's also still very useful. Yeah. He's the strongest man he's in Winterfell. Very, he's also very sweet. Yeah. And like he's not unintelligent to no. the point he can't say anything but Hodor, yeah. but he's not dumb. No. Like he knows what's going on and I think you play with that. Yeah, and he see, can't speak, but he can he he understands he understands English. exactly and i think that's a good way to do it and then eventually show his burgeoning relationship with the starks past just like that crazy sad thing that happened to them when they were kids but you then have him okay not do they just pity him but like he's useful and he's smart and he can become not eyes and ears necessarily but i think you can play with that a little bit well again still having the levity you don't have to make fun of him just because you can only say hodor but winterfell is a strange place and there's got to be some hijinks that people wouldn't think because you have hodor there and like oh he, he ignores it yeah but like he would see things that other people wouldn't see yeah do you do you mess around with that inner monologue do you have his inner thoughts of like saying things i think i think that decision is the fulcrum on which, on which, which 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 way do you go show yeah is made i still like the joke where like it cuts to a wonder year style like over monologue like ben savage and then it's just hodor yeah. and it's just him saying hodor see i think that's a funny gag but I think it only plays once. One, oh yeah, yeah. I think you do one style, one episode in the style of Wonder Years, and then you have uh, oh, so he does just also think Hodor, like, and also that you use that as a depressing sentiment. We're like, yeah. So that is all he can say, but it's also all he can think. He is thinking other things, but even to himself, he can only say Hodor. But I think the the problem with that is that as you establish that he understands things and he is an intelligent person who just can't communicate. I think it kind of gets devalued if he can only say Hodor to himself. Yeah, that's definitely true. And that's why I was curious if we do it more like, like not. I just say Wonder Year because they had the over monologue of his older self. But having that inner monologue also allows, 
a relation to the character that you can't get if you can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, absolutely. it's kind of like it's why a lot of comic books up until like they get a sidekick, they have inner monologues. Yeah, so you it. can. I always think of it as uh, JD's yes. monologue from Scrubs. Yeah, exactly. Where again, there's a lot of levity to it, but also that's where the real pathos of the character yeah. comes through. Where like he is this clown, but inside he's actually struggling yeah. with things. Yeah. I think that'd be an interesting way to do it. Also, it's just like again, it's the humanization. If you put a mask on somebody, or if you give them, a, if you have a mute character, it's hard to relate to that person because you don't have those same thoughts. Yeah. So I think that's a way to do it. That has way more, like, <laughs> has way longer legs than I thought it would. Okay. The faster than the long, <laughs> the long form round. <laughs> um, sitcom in the Shire. A sitcom in the Shire. Isn't that just Friends? Uh, yes, except for I think you do it more like um. S- not stale, but uh, dry British wit. Okay. And I think you do it like... How much um, food humor? All of it. Is, Tons. No, no, no. But I was going to say, is in Friends. Because, like, oh, a lot. It's just Joey. Joey, Mostly Joey's food humor. Isn't there Ross has a sandwich or something? One episode he has anger issues, and they use that because, like, he had a sandwich and somebody at his work, which, by the way, is a huge grievance. Oh, I would yeah. be just as you, mad as him. You never touch somebody else's They food ate his sure. moist maker. Is what he calls the sandwich because oh. they, they slip a bread that's covered in gravy oh. in the middle. It's a but good that, sandwich. But the name. Yeah, but that name. Exactly. <laughs> My that's, sandwich. That's the nickname Terry used for himself in the ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> the moist maker. Oh, that's so messed up, but I love it. Um, <laughs> that's how I introduce myself in podcast. The moist oh. maker, Terry Smith. Oh. Oh, God, I think my wife's leaving me as we speak. I can hear her getting the documents ready to serve me. Um, I think you do it, it's centered purely around the Baggins and his annoying neighbors and his annoying relatives that keep coming around, and it's it's, it's Bilbo. So it's uh, it's, uh, it's about Bilbo it, on Bag End. But, yes, but it's after The Hobbit. Okay. And he keeps living the old glory days, like, man, I just need to... I don't want to see the dwarves again, but you remember that time when I saved the world, you know, from that dragon? Post-Frodo. I think that's that's how you uh, bump ratings in a later season as you introduce Frodo. It was like, crap, now I have to, because you know you have the grumpy guy, and now he has to take care of his nephew. And people think it'd be jumping the shark, but really it adds that level... It's that, that not the ultra special episodes like they did in Growing Pains where it's like, oh no, so-and-so is addicted to drugs and we need to clean them up in one episode in 30 minutes. But like Rapid detox. Right, but it adds a little bit of uh, real heart to it yeah. later on yeah. where it's like, oh no, I have to take care of this nephew. And it goes from season one where it's just him and his annoying relatives and neighbors to all of those people telling him how to raise this young boy. Yeah. And I think I think that would add. Is you still can have the dry British wit, like when I think like Faulty Towers. Yeah. Or I, I always watch all that. I always say PBS sitcoms because that's where I saw them. Yeah. Was the reruns on yeah. PBS? But you know the weird forty frames a second. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think that would work really really well because you have tons of characters. Like Bag End is is a fascinating place when oh, it comes to sure. all of his annoying people. And you can have again. You can have that that dry British comedy, a lot of food comedy, about like how many they eat fourteen times a day, and he is the the bell of that town, basically. Yeah. You know, like I read all day. Oh, you think you're better than us? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do think you're better than all of you. <laughs> you know why? Because I've been other places yes, i fought a dragon like you listen you ran from a dragon okay <laughs> we've read the stories of bilbo there and back again look where you are back again 
sure, you sure did leave, but you also came back. You always come back. And that's what they bring up, like, the, one of the big problems he has with his relatives is they tried to sell all of his stuff. Yeah. And he keeps coming back. They're like, oh, listen, get over it. We thought you were dead. They're like, you didn't mourn? Well, like, well, you know, we don't dwell on things. Yeah. <laughs> this is so Baggins. And I think they, 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 it's a big thing is they he keeps coming back to they tried to sell his stuff and move on real quick. And he keeps dwelling on his adventure and that one thing and yeah. can't just move on from it. And I think that lets you like slip into kind of like what we talked about with the other show is like you have little things like you can like like introduce Samwise's family and you like can the farmers, the and make, make yeah, the a character, an actual thing. See, and I think you can slip in Gandalf, and he's like almost Bilbo's cooler cousin because everyone loves Gandalf when he comes, but he also likes when Gandalf comes because he gets to talk about his adventures. You can establish just how much money he actually had. <laughs> <laughs> is this monster? Oh, I think you could slip in almost like uh oh, what was the name of the movie? Secondhand Lions, where like there is like the family also comes around because they know he's secretly rich. Like, how yeah. much money did you get from that dragon? Yeah. And you have one or two that suck up to him because yeah. they just want his fortune when yeah. he dies. That's that's another huge part of the Sackville Baggins. Yeah, is yeah. That they're like, no, no, no. He hasn't worked a day in his life, <laughs> and yet he still lives better than all of us. Yes. Where's, where's the money coming from? Yeah. And yeah. where is the money? <laughs> I th- yeah, that'd be really good. You could do like a whole subplot about one of them just trying to poison him slowly or something. You just have someone failing at assassination. <laughs> <laughs> but because he was an actual thief for a while, he was like, no, this is poison. <laughs> I think you could do something. Like, you could do like Hugh Laurie and Fry. I think you yeah. could bring back a lot of those. You know, you, you bring you bring in a lot of the people from those dry sitcoms. You also bring in um monty python alums you know people who aren't doing a lot of stuff these days this is an older cast yes well because you can because they're hobbits you know like you don't have to have them young and i or or you lean into them young you get you get big names that are young but still have that british wit like you know anybody who was on sherlock stuff like that i think i think that could do well anyways man we went forever (laughs) on that one oh man uh the never-ending story where did it begin I think you could do that as like almost Game of Thrones style epic fantasy yeah. L- Lord of the Rings type thing. I don't think you do that as a show though, because like that has a lot of like crazy moments. I mean, it was done in the eighties, so you could do a lot of those you'd crappy effects. Re- you'd have to rewrite a lot of it. I yeah, think. I think you do it almost Jim Henson style, and you have a lot of puppets. Okay, and that's a way to like it's it's kind of whimsical because that world isn't really fleshed out in the way a fantasy world was right. like if you start looking at the rules of never-ending story yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense right. but it allows for tv because you have the narrator who is sebastian yep. and he's reading the story yep. up in his attic and you keep doing the cutaways that the movie did but i don't i don't think the narrator is sebastian no no you, what do you That's old sebastian maybe his kid reading the story to his no, kid or his kid's finding it, it? Begin. oh good point he finds the book in the library right yeah Hmm. It's like it's the librarian. It's the librarian, yeah, and he's reading different stories. I like that too, like, I because am I remembering correctly? In like number two, he goes back to the library, and the library it's almost like page master, no, no, and he I falls think, into the book. So it's it's something like that. I don't think he goes back to the library. I think the librarian is just at a new place. Okay, okay, yeah, and like I don't know that, but I like the idea that the librarian and they're always reading new stories. I it's got to be where where did it start? Oh, you know what it is? You so you I like the librarian idea. 
they're writing their novel. Yeah. And it's the never-ending story. Yes, absolutely. I and that's so. why, like, it's not on the records, and that's the... I think they're the author. Yeah, and that's the final episode twist, is them putting it back on the shelf. You know, it doesn't have an ISBN or a Dewey yeah. Decimal number, and Sebastian, like, oh, kid God. comes in the rain, and he finds the book. You, oh, God, you have to have just, like, the, just tears pouring down. Yeah. Like, just a tear-stained book that he puts away, and then... The door opens. Yeah, the tears then fade into the rain, and then Sebastian covered wet and yep. just gotten beat up by the bullies, yep. and he just wants a book. Ah, oh, that's really good. I like that. I got oh. chills. Uh, I was those were the movies I have a soft spot for. Like it's not a great film. Like no. if you go back, never any story. A tree. <laughs> I'll watch it every time. I know it's I'll so watch good. It every time. It's so good, and I also like. I think it lets you do it kind of on a lower budget. If we're talking puppets, if we're talking librarian telling the stories, I could I could take you. To the first place that I saw, never ending. Story. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, to, down to like ten square feet. <laughs> that's the book. That's the the movie that made me want to read more books. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh man, that looks really fun to read in the rain and yep. quiet. And I I didn't get beat up as much, but I still got beat up. <laughs> I didn't escape into books. I just escaped. <laughs> I just kept running. <laughs> I went into the woods. Oh, um, I think this one was supposed to be a joke. It came out the same. It was the same pitch. It was never ending story. Where did it begin? Or the ever ending story? Like where does it end? <laughs> <laughs> Like, how does it end? It's the nothing. You the nothing gets yeah, him. Yeah, the nothing wins. Yeah, the, the, that's all you got. Yeah, it's the it's the blank space. It's the sad ending of the golem disappearing and the guy who rides the bat and. Oh God. What? It's the burning of the no, book. No, it's the it's the Susan Pevensey. What's that? The you you no longer uh, can imagine. You you lose. You become an adult. You grow up. Oh. And so you can't relive. The never-ending story. Yeah. Because it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, it doesn't... He can't escape and hear Atreyu anymore. He's a, he's an old man. And you tell that... It's no, no, like no, He's the, not an old man. No? I think he's like a 26-year-old. That's still... That's the, the cusp of his imagination leaving no, that's, him. that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's He's not old because I think there's a certain point at like when you're post career life yeah you start to get that back yeah i think you have like a christopher robin type story there where it's like he goes back to the old library because he's having a midlife crisis and it's being torn down yeah and the librarian died and oh god the library is being torn down and, and his kid doesn't want to read a book he wants he to play just, with this tablet and the whole thing is him trying to find this book because he knows that's how he felt alive yep. and then he gets the book at the end and it doesn't do anything and it cuts to black <laughs> and everyone cries and that's the nothing wins that's what it says in the credits the nothing wins. Oh, that's I'm so gonna, dark. I'm going to just leave and cry now. <laughs> um, Brian, but as a knight's tale. You think this is our last one? No, we got two no, more. We have two more. Three more. more. Yeah. We're going long. We're folks. going long, people. You're getting like an hour and 15 minutes. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, Brian, but in a knight's tale. Ooh. So, like, do you know what I mean by a knight's tale? Yeah, I think, like, the, you mean the, the movie. Yeah, the Heath Ledger. Tale, right? yeah. yeah. Again, not a great film, but oh, I love it. That is, I, I. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, I th- so I, I think that was when I, I realized I liked somewhat semi bad movies as long as they were acted well. Yeah. And that movie just doesn't know. I think it's not a bad film. It just doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah. It's got these crazy like you know music drops and hilarious like campy moments that are like breaking the fourth wall kind of. But then like really crazy moments of like pathos and sadness with like when he meets his dad again and he's like he's becoming a real knight and then you have all the stuff with the Prince of Wales yeah. and like. 
shit, like this movie has a lot of things. That's I think why I love it so much is it gave me all the emotions. It's a lot of movie. Yeah. yeah. It is a lot of movie. And it's short too. Yeah. Like, the movie's like yeah. an hour and twenty minutes yeah, it's long. Like 80 yeah. Minutes long. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh man. Uh, how do you how do you do Brienne in that? I it's, think I mean it's just her becoming Yeah, you do her tale of how she became a knight. Yeah, how she became whatever she was originally knighted under Loris. Yeah. It, it it's you have that crazy moment where like we're both weird. We're both different. Let's help each other. Yeah, but she had to like go through a trial to get there, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. I, but I think you have you you do some of the moments as a young kid. You do the Knight's Tale where it's just, you jump those big gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have her young being picked on for being taller than everybody. Yeah. Then you look. Then you jump like the Forrest Gump. Like no, I can use my yeah. my weirdness. Yeah. Like now I can just beat these people yeah. up, and then then I'm you have. I'm still yeah. taller. I'm still stronger. Exactly. You still want to fight? Yeah, and that final redemption story is, is Loras going, okay, no, you are knighted. Now go win this trial. Yeah, like, I yeah. think I, I think you could do that. And I think you, you do lean into the Knight's Tale point. You do cool music drops. You, Queen is the soundtrack. You do jousting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if she jousted. She was a big storyteller, but you have yeah. jousting in there. <laughs> Wasn't that the thing in the movie? Yeah, of the Knight's Tale was like, he was amazing. Was yeah, he was amazing at sword fighting, but that doesn't earn much money. Yes. He was really good in single combat. But, but he couldn't joust worth the shit. But he couldn't joust. But jousting is where the prize money was. Was yeah. So they had to switch over. Otherwise, they weren't. There was no sense yeah. in them going to the all these tournaments. He was doing every event. Yeah. And just like, he would win the the one on one, and just get destroyed in everything else because a he was exhausted, <laughs> and b he just wasn't training for it. Right. And I think I think you can kind of lean into that too. Where it's like she is a, same thing. She's amazing at hand to hand, but she is terrible at mounted combat because she's so tall. She's such a big yeah. target on yeah. the horse. Who's our new Paul Bettany? I think you just make it like like um it's it's not a squire, it's like her you, you kind of wrap it all into one, make it the blacksmith, make it the squire, make it like her only friend. Her ally. Yeah. Bring back Alan Tudyk. Fuck it. Alan Tudyk wasn't uh the wasn't the Paul Bettany character. No, Paul Bettany was the was the squire. He was Charlemagne. But no. I he was Chaucer. Chaucer. She was Charlemagne. <laughs> That's a totally different film. <laughs> no, he was not. <laughs> yeah, he was Chaucer. Yeah, and you, but you throw in, you you throw Alan to, you bring back Alan because I don't think you get Paul Bettany back for a, less than a serious role nowadays. You bring Alan to, and you make him all of those characters wrapped into one. Yeah, he's the guy. I can't remember the guy who played Robert Baratheon, but that was that was his yep. best friend. Yep. But you have him be. He is the he's the squire. He is the blacksmith. He is the presenter. He oh is the. Does Robert Baratheon show up in the show? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just for a reunion. Yes. Yes. I think like you have one of those moments where like they're having this like chipper back and forth, and then Robert reminds him that he's a fucking king. Yeah. Don't talk to me like that. <laughs> they have they have that same back and forth like they do in a Knight's Tale. Yes. And then, they, yeah. then they pause everything. Oh, so I'm so no, sorry, I'm sir. So a king. <laughs> You, you feel familiar. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be a fun part. Um, did you read any of Discworld? No. I okay. I have been told it is fantastic. It is on my list. I yes. Just... There's so much, yeah. and like it makes no sense, and that's the fun of it. Um, there's been several TV shows of it, and it's like this just says Discworld. Any of it? <laughs> I think we could do an entire episode on what I think of Discworld and where you go with it, but I don't know. It's... It's just Yertle the Turtle, yeah. the, the movie. Yeah, you do Turtles all the way down, and you just, every episode pulls out a little bit farther, and like you do those jokes, and it's, you have a narrator, and they tell random stories that weren't in the books, I think. You do like all like all the jokes that come from the gnomes, yeah. where they talk about, like, yeah, this one time this happened in history, and they never talk about it again. You do those. Okay. So you do it like almost like a... 
what's the word like an anthology series so that's that's all that almost feels like a it's a monthly special yeah some tv yeah you're right that's a good that's a christmas bbc episode type thing it's the like oh and this month, this is the story we jumped in, jump yeah. into. Yeah, and that, that world is so eclectic; it makes no sense. Like some episodes are just the you know the actual industrial revolution. This is the Arbor Day special. Yeah, and then you have like almost like David and the Gnomes type of like adventure in the woods with sprites. Like it makes no sense, but it's fun. Um, R. A. Salvatore presents Who Did It in. Oh, okay, I get it. I get the joke. Okay, so like R. A. Salvatore because the joke is in all those books, it's just Drizzt. Like, oh, who did they? Oh, it's Drizzt. He can do all this stuff. Like, he's a ranger and he's evil, but he's good and he does everything. So it's just like, who else did it other than than Drizzt? There's no, it's just Drizzt. Always. As a person who's actually read those stories, that is a good joke. Other people do a lot of those things. Uh, I think you do, I think it's, I think you do, you follow Drizzt, but he's never the main character. He's just in the background of it. Because he has some really good stories that he is the main character. But people forget, when Drizzt showed up, he was just a really cool side character. He's like the samurai in Lupin the Third. Like, he's clearly cooler than the main character, but like, he doesn't have a lot of lines. Mm -hmm. Like, so you just have him show up in the background, I think. You do the same thing. Like, you do the anthologies where like, but Drizzt's the through line. Yeah. Jim Butcher presents Dresden, but this time it's good. All right, you put that on there for sure. That's, <laughs> okay. that's that's Terry writing in to our own show. I, I so Dresden the TV show had one good thing going for it, and that was Paul Blackthorn. Yes, Paul, everything oh, he was very good. At everything that. else about that series was awful. Oh, you mean the show? I thought yes. you were saying the books. No, no. Okay. Well, Paul Blackthorn isn't in the books. No, 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 no for sure. But <laughs> the 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 original pitch. Yes, this yeah. is the pitch, yeah. but like the show, but yeah. good is what yeah. I mean. I like the books. Yeah, the I show, don't think they're amazing, but I think they're good. The show. I mean, you just you give it a bigger budget and you make it closer to what the books are actually trying to do. I say we do kind of that, but we do the weird camp, have our cake and eat it too. We bring back Paul Blackthorne as Dresden, but now he is training the next generation of people and he's still trying to solve murders in the background. Like, so you're, you're just saying don't do book one. Kind of. (laughs) Then again, if you look at any of the, like every time he has an apprentice, they just die spoilers for every dresden book oh i trained you to do magic you're dead chapter How? one hey this have person's read, cool have you read like four of them yeah yeah and it happens in every one yeah and you are not far enough to be making these kind of calls yeah but it's true i know it is it's i can tell it i can tell everyone who's read the dresden files write in and tell terry a how wrong he is <laughs> b that he should keep reading them because <laughs> I've read the first there, five, by the way. Have you read the first five? Yeah, and in three out of the five, he has somebody that shows up and is like, I would like to learn more stuff. Or, They're actually pretty competent. And then they die. He's going to be like, man, I shouldn't have brought anybody into this. That's true. The first <laughs> the first five do have that. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like I hate when people are like, oh, it gets really good 20 hours in. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't, A, it doesn't take long to read the Dresden No, it doesn't. Books. They're quick reads. They're B, not terrible books. B, that's not like the primary purpose of all of the books. And that, that's why, like, I think you have your kicking in, too, where, like, you do make it more like the mystery, like in the books, where it is them trying to solve mysteries, but you don't make Dresden the main character, because I think that's a lot of the issue sometimes, is he is the deus ex machina. He always has information the reader doesn't have, and you play with that. Like, he always has information that his students don't have, or his reluctant uh, apprentices, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't want to train these people, but he doesn't have what it takes anymore. You know, if he, like, you have him get into a fist fight in the first episode, and he gets his ass what worse than Dresden used to, because he's almost 60, you know? 
and like they make fun of him or like why don't you just have a real wizard staff anymore why are you carrying around a hockey stick you know well because i, was, I thought it was cool like it was cool 20 years ago you know <laughs> Which he doesn't have in the books. That's that's yeah. a thing from the show. Yep. But I like that part. It, of it. it was a cool, cool yeah. thing in the book. I think, I think you're onto something with not making Dresden the main character. Like you ever but, read uh, what's the the short stories that he did where it's like the side jobs. Side jobs, yeah. No, I haven't read side jobs. So like he's still the main character in those, but they don't focus so much on the main narrative. It's quick stories. It's hey, Dame walks into my office, noir style, but it's rarely about him. Where like in the Dresden books, most stories, even though there's a mystery going on, comes back to him, you know, which is a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. But where like this is more he's the background, the yeah. mysteries are the forefront. I think you could do well with that. Because, again, Paul Blackthorne was great for that character. Paul Blackthorne was fantastic. They just did not character. know how to write that on television, no. which they should have just made it a crime drama. I don't yeah. know why they – they, they kind of made it more X-Files or his Monster of the Week, whereas they should have went the other way and made it more Law & Order. Yeah. Like, here is the CBS crime drama of it all. You have your one season arc, and then you have a bunch of small stuff. Yeah, and you, you slip in the back. It's like, uh, like NBC does with all of their like Law & Order and all that stuff. It's like you get Marisha Hargitay mentioning one mystery in the background every episode. It's like, yeah, and also, like, I got my haircut because I've seen that guy, but he sucked. And, and <laughs> four episodes later, like, oh, you've seen that guy again? Like, they just, like, slip little things in there. And you can say, like, oh, man, it's crazy that the fairy council called you in or whatever. You know, like, they just, you throw in little things like that. So yeah, that's 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 Dresden, but good. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we'll call our episode there. Went call a little bit there. long. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Pitch for Pitch. Uh, if you like us, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, give us five stars if you prefer. It really does help out. Helps discoverability. Helps other people find us. Um, if you really want to help and support, back us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/ProfessionalEntropy. That's our parent company. If you like us over there, you know we have tons of other podcasts on the network. This is just one. This is our flagship show, but we have shows about video games. We have shows about other podcasts or other. Po- we have shows about <laughs> other podcasts. We have shows about other pop culture elements other than just pitches. We have Right in the Fields, which is just us talking about what was dope when we were kids and why it comes back now because we're all just children. Um, you know, so really, you can find any ways to support us. We appreciate it. Just listening is wonderful. We never thought people would listen to the show. Period. So it's just awesome that you do um if you do back us on patreon you get early episodes you get bonus episodes you can get chances to talk to us if you like us if you don't like us you can talk to some of the other hosts on the network there's something for everybody over there so check us out um we are at uh pitch for pitch on twitter twitter perfect so you can send over your your pitches there if you prefer if you want to email us there's a contact form on our website professionalentropy.com so slash contact us you send any of your feedback for this show for our other shows we read it all so if you want to pitch us new episodes we love to get pitches that's what the whole show is founded on is challenging us if you want to tweet directly at me terry smith i am at resident stevel on twitter I am at Mr. Oprah on Twitter. Yeah, and you can hit us up there. Remember, it's Mr. Oprah without an H. No H. No H's H. H's are evil. I've had a couple of people who were like, I tried. It's not that guy. <laughs> it's a different guy. I don't know. Is that Stedman? I don't know. That's a joke that no one's going to get. But that's I it. don't get that one. Oprah joke's fine. You were alive in the 90s. It's okay. Yes, I was. Yeah, but not really, though. Like You you were in your bubble. This is the rock thing that I'm talking about. <laughs> Anybody else would know, know who Stedman is? All right, is? I'm going to go hang out with your wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. She doesn't know either. All right, uh, and this has been Pitch for Pitch. We're out.